Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. I didn't get to preach long last week. I'm not going to make up for it this week. But I did want to go back to something last week before we get into the Word of the Lord. Something I would have preached last week had service not gone the way it did. But in the book of Nehemiah in the third chapter, it's only one service today, so everybody can rest a little bit short. You're still going to get out early. We're not going to be here a long time. Uh, but I'm the one driving home this afternoon, so you'll be okay for a few minutes. But in Nehemiah, the third chapter, it starts talking about the, the men that are working on the wall. And in the book, I didn't find I found this fascinating when I studied it out. You know, in the book of Nehemiah, it never speaks of Nehemiah actually lifting a finger to put a block in place on that wall. He oversaw it all. He took care of making sure it was all done. Yeah, he made the statement, I'm doing a good work, can't come down. But when you read the workers in Nehemiah 3, it never says what Nehemiah fixed. You won't find it. And I didn't know that. I'm a Bible school graduate, and I still didn't know that. Uh, but it says that it starts talking about all the gates of the city and all the gates of the, the town and everything they're repairing. The Bible talks about how every man repaired the gates by their own home. We're living in a day and age where we got to fix our own stuff. We need our pastors, we need our men of God, we need our, we need our elders, we need our leaders, but we shouldn't be so dependent upon them that we can't function without them telling us what to do. We've got to pray for ourselves. We've got to study for ourselves. We've got to fast for ourselves. We got to believe for ourselves. We got to do the work for ourselves. We can't lean on Brother Rice and our pastor, Brother Tiller, my pastor. We can't lean on them to teach all the Bible studies. And I'm saying this because you are going into a new time, taking on more responsibilities in other in other places and churches and doing more things that it can't be one person doing everything for everybody. But we all have got to step up and repair the gates beside our own homes. We've got to be the ones that say, hey, I'll fix the gate here, Pastor. I'll do this here, Pastor. Hey, let me go here, Pastor. Let me do, let me teach this Bible study. Let me start this Bible study. Let me do this. Because everybody, there's a work for everybody to do in the kingdom of God. If we all will get involved and we'll all do what we're called to do and do what we know to do, and there's a work for everybody to do. It don't matter if you've been in church your whole life or if you're just coming in today. And if you're coming in today, I apologize. Come back next week. When everybody's back, you'll enjoy it more. But when, but I, there is something for everybody to do in the kingdom of God. So I say to Sparta, is it, I told Brother Rice yesterday, I said, I, it's dangerous. I feel awful at home when I'm in Sparta. As, so I'm just going to say it. I'm at home. So there's something for you to do. It's time to get up and start doing something for the kingdom of God. Come on, God didn't call us to collect spiritual 401k. And unlike natural 401k, it don't go down in value. 
but he called us to work for the kingdom of God. He called us to be leaders in the kingdom of God. He's raising up a church that's going to raise up churches in the kingdom of God. He's raising up young people that are supposed to raise up young people in the kingdom of God. So let's get to work, church, and let's do something for the kingdom of God. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. That's what I would have preached last week. God is so good. Praise God. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, one verse of Scripture. Verse 1, very familiar. It is the verse of Scripture. It's not the Beatles song. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Put your Bibles down. Would you lift your hands to heaven? Would you ask God to speak to us today? Help us through his word. Father, we love you. God, you've been good to us. You've been nothing but faithful to us. You are holy and you're righteous, God. We love you today, Jesus. I pray that you help us today, God, through your words. Your word's already anointed. God, anoint my lips to preach what you've laid on my heart today. I pray that you lead us and guide us and help us in Jesus' name. Praise God. Why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord? Praise God, praise God. You can be seated in Jesus' name. In, in preparing for this, I began to just read a little bit. I'm going to preach here to help, with the help of the Holy Ghost for a few moments, not long, on this title, Timing is Everything. Timing is Everything. Have you ever heard, I didn't understand this phrase as a young person, at 41, I understand it now. There's just not enough hours in a day. There's not enough time in a week to get everything done that you need to get done. I had a manager that reported to me at work one time, called me and said, how is it that you go home when you go home and I'm here till 8, 8.30 every night working and I'm doing all this paperwork and I know you got more responsibilities than I do, but yet when I call you, you're at home at 6 o'clock in the evening and how, how is it? I said, you know, Alicia, I've learned that I do what needs to be done today and everything else will still be there in the morning when I come back to work. And she said, but yeah, but then you sit, you sit at home and you're thinking about all the stuff you need to do. I said, that's the thing. I don't. Because when I go home, I'm not getting paid by this place to think about it. I am. Raising two kids, though, that I want them to understand that I got my attention when I'm at the house. I said, so I don't think about it. She said, but when you come in, you got a pile of work on your desk. I said, yeah. And what I need to do tomorrow, I'll do tomorrow. And the rest will be there the next day. Because my priorities are not this place. My paycheck comes from this place. But that's just legalized slavery. And I have to think about it 40 hours a week. I don't have to think about it the rest of the time. But there are people that they are sort of strapped for time. I got a good friend, man. He chases himself all day long. Brother Graham, he just, you ask him how he's doing, I'm just too busy. I can't get nothing done. Well, Rookie, I can't do, I can't add anything more to my plate. And I'm just like, how are you that strapped for time? 
We all get 24 hours a day. Every single one of us get the same amount of time. But it's how we spend our time. So I found an article how the average American spends their 24 hours. Average American spends 8 hours and 33 minutes a day at work. Oh, I'm sorry. 8 hours and 33 minutes a night sleeping. Some people more. That's an average. So there's some people that sleep 16 hours, and there's some people that sleep 4 hours to get to that number. I, I, I was raised by two people that don't know the meaning of sleeping. They, they're up and going early in the morning. Always have been. I remember mom coming down last year and staying with us one weekend. She slept till 8.30. And I'm sitting in my living room with my wife saying, do we need to go check on her? She ain't seen 8.30 on a clock when she woke up since I was little. Do I need to go check on her? But eight hours and 33 minutes is the average for Americans. And on the weekends, it's nine hours and 28 minutes. So immediately, one-third of your 24 hours is gone when you wake up. I'm not advocating for less sleep. I'd be on team more sleep most days. At work, we spend an average of eight and a half hours a day at work. 8.5 hours. That puts you at 16.8 hours of your day gone by the time you end work. 31% of Americans work an average of five hours and 24, we 24 minutes on weekends. That's a 40-hour work week, eight hours and a half per day. We only spend 28 minutes a day on educational activities. We don't spend a lot of time as adults working on getting smarter. Recently, somebody asked me about going back to school, and I said, son, I wasn't a good student at 20. I won't be a good student at 40. I can promise you that. But we spend 28 minutes a day on educational activities. Teenagers spend on average three hours and 37 minutes a day. Uh, and if you're a boy, teenager, two hours and 29 minutes. White girls are smarter than boys when they're teenagers. And probably still when we're adults. We spend an average of 18 minutes a day cleaning houses. 11 minutes a day doing laundry. This is, this is a day. So you may spend 10 hours a week, but it averages out to 11 minutes a day. We spend 11 minutes a day on laundry. An average of 34 minutes a day on preparing meals and cleaning up after. If you have toddlers, you spend more time cleaning up after than you do preparing. We spend about 14 minutes a day doing indoor and outdoor repairs, including lawn care, mowing, weed eating, and fertilizing. People in charge of household finances spend about 45 minutes a day paying bills, doing taxes, and all things financial. On average, we spend five hours and 16 minutes a day engaged in leisure activities. On a typical weekday, it's four hours and 43 minutes, but it jumps to six hours and 34 minutes on weekends. I know I'm taking my time here, and we're going to get to something spiritual here in a few minutes, but of that five hours... And 16 minutes, an average of two hours and 48 minutes of that is in front of what we call the television. Some would call the idiot box. Socializing, we spend an average of 33 minutes a day in social activities. Some a lot less. Again, it's an average. Some do. Some spend 38 minutes a day avoiding social activities. We, men spend about an hour and 42 minutes 
working out or playing sports. So I'm a lot less. We spend about 11 minutes, on an, av- an hour and 11 minutes per day eating and drinking meals and snacks. The average American had this number. <laughs> Could be higher according to my bank account. We spend an hour to 46 minutes a day grocery shopping and about 50 minutes a day shopping for other things. And we spend an hour to 10 minutes a day or less reading. Senior citizens over the age of 75 spend an average 48 minutes a day reading, interesting enough. We spend an average of 45 minutes a day exercising, walking, and playing with our pets. We spend 51 minutes a day grooming. And we spend an average of 18 minutes a day on religious activities. We spend an hour and 11 minutes with our pets and 18 minutes on religious activities. We spend nine minutes a day taking telephone calls, checking email, and mail. Nothing about text, but nine minutes a day just talking on the phone, yet only 18 minutes thinking about God. And you figure that up, that's four, an average of four hours in church services a week divided by seven, seven days. It's probably not far off, and we're the ones that go to church a lot. You take that down to the denominal world that meets for an hour on Sunday mornings, and they're good till next Sunday, and that number drops. We're bringing the average up as Pentecostals. And thank God for the Pentecostals. That I'd hate to see what that number was if we weren't here. But we, that's how we spend our days according to a study. It wasn't much different for a study done in the United Kingdom. They spend a lot more time on uh, social activities than we do. Uh, apparently, they're more social over there. But uh, that's just how, that's how we spend our days. That's 24 hours for the average American. The average lifespan is 80 years old. It's actually 79.36. I rounded up to make us give us a little bit of hope in case anybody was close to that number. They wouldn't. I don't want anybody leaving scared today. 80 is the average lifespan. Of that 80 years, you're going to have 960 months, 29,200 days, 700,800 700, hours, 42,048,000 minutes consist your, of your life. If you sleep eight hours a night, 233,600 hours of those 700,000 is going to be spent sleeping. If you work 40 hours a week from the age 20 to 65, then 93,000 of those 700,000 hours are going to be working. If you take one week of vacation on average per year, you'll spend an average of 13,440 hours on vacation in your lifetime. I got some that I got family that they travel a lot more than one week per year. I'd hate to see the number of hours they spend on vacation. Average person takes 20 minutes a day preparing to leave the house, meaning 8,760 of those 700,000 hours will be preparing to leave the house. And if you spend one hour a day eating, that study says we spend a lot less, but you spend one hour a day eating. 29,200 hours of your life is going to be with a fork in your hand. Some a lot more. Some a lot less. But when you take those numbers out of 700,000, it leaves us 
less than half of our life to do things for God and for our family and for our communities. We know you can sleep less, yeah, but you're not going to go door knocking at 4 in the morning. You're, you're not, you may go to a prayer meeting at 4 in the morning, but some, some of you more spiritual ones may be okay praying at 4 in the morning. If you see me at a prayer meeting at 4 in the morning, Brother Graham, I'm going to be laying for, before the Lord, probably in between a pew somewhere, and just trust me, I'm praying. Don't check on me. Because it's just a natural cycle of life. There are things we do. And so sleeping a couple less hours ain't going to increase your productivity in life. Working a few more hours really ain't going to add anything to your stature. In fact, you work a few more hours, all it's going to do is make them think that you're willing to do more and they'll pile more on you. Taking more vacations is a good thing, but it's not really productive in the course of life. Taking a little while, some people, if they took a little while to leave the house, it would be more productive for them. But for the average person, it's nearly not going to add anything to your stature to, to take a few more minutes getting ready or to, to leave the house. And we don't need to eat more, really. 29,000 hours of your life eating really is a startling number. If you divide that out by days, we spend a lot of our life doing menial tasks. But it's all about timing. Because if you don't sleep, then your average lifespan will go down. Those who don't work will not live as long as those that work because we have to keep our minds occupied. and We've got to keep ourselves busy or the body starts to break down. We read in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the whole text says, to everything there, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. We live in the United States of America. In most, in most parts of the country, there's four seasons that we go by. There's spring, where life blooms. There's summer, where life really goes. There's fall, when it starts to cool down and life starts to die. And then there's winter, that's just a death season. And it's a dark, cold time during the year. If you live in the state of Kentucky, then winter, winter is from about 6 a.m. to about 9 a.m. Fall, fall is from... 9 a.m. to noon, summer is from 2 to 5, and then spring is from about 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., and we get all four seasons in one day in the state of Kentucky. I'll tell you, if you don't like the weather in Kentucky, stick around a few hours. It'll change, and you'll get something else before the day is over. But these seasons are what we go by in life. And it was this, it was this early, early, late winter last year, early fall, early fall, late winter, whatever, I'm trying to say something that's not right, but uh, there was a lady in, in Carrollton that posted a picture. It was late winter, and there was, there was snow on top of her patio table. And in that snow, there were, bird, there were prints from a bird. And she said, I'm sitting here in my kitchen table, and the birds are singing like it's spring. And that hit me as I saw that picture. It, they, the, it, was, it was a time when it was supposed to start getting warmer, and the birds knew that it was time for them to start coming out, but we got a late snow that caused everything to freeze back over, but that didn't stop the birds' song because they knew that it was time for them to start making noise again. It was time for them to start going back to their regular activities again. 
And it didn't, so they sang like it was spring, even though they were in a cold, dark time in life. Because there is a season for everything in life. Verse 2 says, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get, a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to re, a time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. There's, a, there's timing. Timing is everything. If you go to plant in the fall, it ain't going to work according to science. That's why harvest happens in the fall, but planting happens in the spring. Everything has to be done in its right time. And we go through things in life, and we're wondering, why am I going through this right now? Because you're in a season that God is saying, I'm preparing you for something, and I'm putting you in a position for something, that when you get to the end of this season, something else will grow or something else will come out of it. I'm, I'm reminded of Joseph, who Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. He was a young man that had a dream and a vision from God. God had spoke things into his life. And in that dream, he began to know that God was going to use him mightily. And his brothers got envious of him and couldn't handle the dream. And they sold him into slavery. He gets into slavery, and God begins to bless him in slavery. And God, he gets promoted in that. And, he, and then all of a sudden, the, the wife tries to, tries to make an advance on him, and he runs away, and he gets cast into prison for it. Having done nothing wrong, but he's now thrown into jail. In jail, in that season of his life, God begins to bless him again. And he begins to interpret dreams in jail. And all of a sudden, they forget about him, and he's left there all alone and wondering, why is this going on the way it's going on? All, the, all that happened for them for when the famine came, and his brothers and his daddy came back, and they said, we need to gather corn, and we need to get food to, to last through this famine. Joseph was in a position to survive and to help his family survive when he could have gave up and said, my brothers hate me. My brothers don't understand what God has spoken to me. My brothers don't understand what I'm going through right now. My brothers don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. He said, and when his brothers realized it, they said, we're sorry, Joseph. He said, don't apologize to me. What you meant for evil, God meant it for good. It was just a season in my life. It was just a time that I was going through. It was just something I was dealing with. It was just something I had to go through in order to get where I am right now. So don't apologize to me. Just be thankful that God gave me the ability to make it through the season of my life. And he saw the prosperity of his family because he didn't give up in the season that he went through. David was anointed king of Israel. And when he was anointed king of Israel, he didn't immediately step into the throne and begin walking as a king. He immediately went back to the field and began to keep sheep just like he had done before. And some 40 years later, when he finally would take the throne, he would take the throne as a man of God that had been through some things and had gone through some battles and had been through some tests and had withstood and had been able to say that he was faithful in all things. Yeah, he messed up later in life. 
But had he not gone through the seasons that he went through, he would have never known that God was able to restore and God was able to keep him and God was able to help him and God was able to bless him at all times. I'm reminded of the apostle Peter who goes through a season of his life when, the, when Jesus was being crucified and they come to him, they say, weren't you with him? He said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. They said, yeah, yeah, we remember you. You were with the Messiah. You were with the man called Jesus. He said, no, I don't know. I don't even know the man. And the third time, he curses God. He said, I have no clue what you're talking about. And he goes through a season. But immediately the cock crowed, and he realized that he had done exactly what he said. God, I'll never forsake you. God, I'll never let you go. But in a dark season, he spoke things that he never thought he would ever speak. In that dark season, he gave up some things. But it was, it was just a few days later that Jesus is seen by the disciples. And he says, come on and go tell Peter. Go get Peter. Go get the denier. Go get the failure. Go get the cursor and bring him. Tell him the master wants to see him. You know why I think he specifically mentioned Peter? Bishop, the only reason I think he specifically mentioned Peter is because Judas didn't survive his season. In Judas' season of failure, he took his own life and committed suicide and gave up and died as the betrayer. But had Judas still been alive, I think Jesus would have said to his disciples, go tell Judas to come. Go get Judas. He's the biggest failure of the 12. Go get him. But because Judas didn't survive his season, Peter was the one that preached on the day of Pentecost. I'm a firm believer. I have no Bible for it. I just have what I feel in my heart. I'm a firm believer that had Judas lived, Judas would have been the one to preach the day of Pentecost. I believe Jesus would have, would have took the one that he had to forgive the most to preach the day of Pentecost. Stand with me this morning. Life has seasons. Some are good. Some are bad. I don't understand why we go through seasons we go through. And I know I've, I've mentioned this several times in preaching here, but I, I've, I, I wanted to preach something else, but I felt this so strong. I don't know why we go through what we go through. I don't know why we face what we face. I don't know why you're in the trial you're in right now. I don't know why you're in the test you're in right now. I don't know why you're facing and struggling with the things you're facing right now. But what I do know, if you hold on a little while longer, season's going to change. If you stay faithful a little while longer, the season's going to change. And your timing is everything. Don't give up in a dark season. Don't turn around in a dark season. You can't see where you're going in a dark season. But if you stay faithful to the kingdom of God, the sun's going to shine again. The light's going to come out. You're going to see what's going on. And then you're going to look in that rearview mirror and you're going to say, thank God you kept me from what I could have been. But you brought me out into this marvelous light. And I am what I am today. But by the grace of God, all because I didn't give up in a dark season. All because I didn't let go when things were hard. But I held on to the one who 
held on to me. If we give up, if we walk away, then we miss out on everything God has planned for us. Can I come back later after walking away? Yes. And to anybody who's walked away from God that's in this place today or on live stream or anywhere is going to see this. If you've walked away from God, I encourage you to walk back home. Come back through these doors. You can come back. But it's going to be different when you come back. The prodigal left and took his inheritance. And he didn't bring any of it back with him. He left and he left with all of his inheritance, everything his daddy gave him. When he came back, he didn't even have shoes on his feet. So the moral is you can come home. We'll be here to pick up the pieces. We'll get you some new shoes. We'll get you a new robe. We'll put the ring on you. You can come home. Come home. I encourage you, come home. But to those that have never walked away, those that have never failed, God. I'm not talking about failing God. We've all failed God, but have never walked away in moments of failure. I came to preach to you today. Stay. Hold on. Get a little tighter grip. Get a little more invested. Give a little more to the kingdom of God. Your time's worth it. Your effort's worth it. I know you sing on the platform. I know you teach Sunday school. I know you do Bible study. I know you do outreach. I know you do this, and I know you do that. But just give a little more. Just do a little more. Become a little more invested in the kingdom of God. And your time is worth it. Your time is everything. You're never going to be feeling like a failure if you give yourself to the kingdom of God. I've come to encourage you today. Time is short. The kingdom of God has a limited amount of time to work. Even Jesus said it in John 9 where he says, I must work while it's yet day, for the night cometh when no man can work. We've got to do it now. If we're going to win Sparta, we got to do it now. If we're going to reach the surrounding communities, we got to go now. If we're going to see a church grow in Ava, it's got to happen now. If we're going to see a church grow in Southern Illinois, it's got to happen now. It is God's will for churches to breed churches. It's God's will for young people to breed young people. It's God's will for families to reach for other families and do more and do work and get into the kingdom of God. So I promise you, whatever you do for God, it'll be rewarded. Maybe not in this lifetime. But I can promise you the rewards of living for God are out of this world. When you get to heaven, it's going to be worth every long mile. It's going to be worth every trial. It's going to be worth everything you go through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I want to open these altars this morning. If you're going through something, if you need God, if you're in a season that you just need God to speak to you, I want to open these altars that God is in this house today. If you need healing in your body, you're going through a season of sickness, I want you to come. God can heal you. God is still a healer. God is still a deliverer. God is still a way maker. God is still a promise keeper. Whatever you need from God today, 
but your timing is everything because when God moves, you have to move within the wave of what God is trying to do. If you were a surfer, and that's my last thing I'm going to say, if you were a surfer and you had your surfboard out in the ocean, it would do you no good to hop up on the surfboard once the wave has already stopped. You're not going to go anywhere. But when you see that wave coming in and you paddle out, you jump up on that board and you ride that wave, there is, there, they say there is a, 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 such an extreme rush of doing that. I can tell you, when you get in this altar and you start operating in the Holy Ghost and you start doing what God wants you to do, and you start responding to what you feel, and you start praying for people, and you start receiving the Holy Ghost, and you start getting what God has for you, and you're jumping up on that spiritual surfboard, and you're riding the waves, and it's the greatest its the greatest feeling of your life, but you've got to get in the water in order for you to be able to ride the waves of God. And you've got to get in this altar for God to be able to do anything in your life. You can't do it sitting on the outside. You can't do it sitting on the outskirts. You're not going to do it sitting by the wayside thinking, well, maybe later. The waves move when the waves move, and we've got to move when God moves. If we don't respond when God moves, we can't be upset when we struggle with what we're struggling with. But if we'll get into the Holy Ghost, and we'll tap into what God's trying to do, when the waves come over us, we'll be refreshed by the refreshing. This is the rest wherein the weary may find rest, and this is the refreshing. These altars are open. Would you come? Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.